Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What happens to you if you commit suicide? Can you find yourself in a better world? If our theories about quantum reality and the multiverse are correct, can death really exist at all? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 441st broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and across from me is my father, who asked those sobering questions. Or sobering, rather, sobering. It's It's been a rough day. Uh, our subject this evening is uh, a very sobering one, suicide, along with this entire day. Uh, we haven't covered the subject in any depth in over three years. It's been that long? Jeez. Yeah. And what prompted us to do it uh, were several emails uh, we recently received from listeners asking about suicide. A few even suggested that it might be a good idea, uh, given the way things were going in their lives. So before we begin, uh, as you we as you might have noticed, I'm here this evening because I didn't have classes today, but I did have to go to WERS for a few hours. Uh, and uh, whenever that happens, uh, we have our weekly contest. So, Dad, take it away. Okay, uh, you just... I, I'm very grateful Ben is here tonight. I'm always grateful when he's here, but especially today because uh, of the terrible events in Boston where he goes to school and she said he didn't have classes, but you had to do that shift at ERS and uh, you missed the explosion by about four minutes. Yeah, uh, as I previously mentioned, yeah. I was supposed to be on. <clears throat> well, if they were listening to the previous show where, where uh, Steve was doing his Louis Armstrong impression. Indeed. Well, <laughs> Louis Armstrong. No, well, I was supposed to be on at ERS till about. Um, I was supposed to be on until like four four o'clock. I was supposed to be on twelve to four, and then uh, this uh, this guy came in to relieve me, and he was like, "Oh, uh, I'm on at two. I got told I was supposed to be here for two, and I was just like, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll leave early." So I left a, I left at a, about like ten after two when I was at South Station, and I, I took my time getting there. And so I was, you were like two or three blocks from where the explosion occurred. Yeah, I mean. Um, Emerson is about maybe ten to fifteen minute walk away from the public, like the Boston Public Library. Like it's it's literally right down the street. I mean Emerson's on Boylston. It's one hundred Boylston Street, and um, yeah. And so I I was it was maybe like three or four blocks away from my school, which my I just got an email from my school saying the school's in lockdown right now, and they're like checking people's backpacks who are coming in, things like that, and. Um, so like they're like if you're on campus you go back to your dorm you stay there, um, <clears throat> like and you have to have a valid Emerson ID to get in, and et cetera et cetera et cetera. But well, I left I left beforehand so I don't know what I would have done. I mean well you would have been doing the news probably on the IRS. But I remember when well I no think, even if my shift being over I don't know where I'd go. <laughs> yeah and they shut down cell phone service and everything. Yeah else. They're, not they're, to belabor this on the paranormal show but we're just grateful that everything's okay. When I picked you up at the. Uh, Franklin Mass uh, Railroad Station today, there were, there were people who'd been in the marathon, they were still wearing their tags, you know, kind of get off the train, and I, two of them sat down on the curb with their head in their hand, it's really, really shaken up, so certainly our, our prayers... Yeah, I wish we could have given them a ride, but there's no, no room. There's no room, too much garbage in our vehicle. Uh, see, now you should, that, that's a good incentive to clean it <clears> out. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, but, uh, you know, thank God you're you're okay. So anyway, to, to continue with, with our, uh, I suppose, bizarrely... I don't know if it's an apt subject, but grimly uh, um, appropriate, I suppose, in a way, given the terrible tragedies of today. Uh, we will start, of course, uh, as you said, with a question, because we don't do that when you're not here. But the question this week is simple. It's our contest question. What is? It's real simple. What is another name for the Loch Ness Monster? Oh, easy. So yeah. nail that and uh, get a... Choice between two, you get a choice between two books, uh, both written by my dad, so not much of a choice really. Uh, if you're, oh, thank you I'm very just, much. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's my really odd sense of humor today. Uh, if you're uh, local, uh, you might want a copy of uh, Rhode Island: A Genial History, or you can choose his uh, 1998 book, Faces at the Window, and it is entirely up to you. So you can call us locally at 401-766-1240, or from anywhere in North America at 800-449-1240. You could also email us after the show, and you can use the email paul at behindtheparanormal.com to email us the answer. And if you want to call and make comments today or ask questions, uh, you're always welcome to call 766-1240 or the numbers Ben just gave, 800-449-1240. People think we don't take calls on this show, but we do. Well, they're very, they're very, uh, 
Well, we, we run yeah. a tight ship, and uh, can, you know, people have told me they don't want to interrupt what we're saying. So, but don't feel that way. Please call in any time. Uh, yes, you just need to have the giant captain's hat on. Yes. So uh, it seems like we have nothing but important announcements today. First, speaking of BehindTheParanormal.com, which is, of course, our show website, it is back up and running after what we were told was a hacking or cyber attack. Many uh, of our hundreds of show podcasts suddenly disappeared. But the site has been redesigned, which it needed to be anyway, yeah. and we are in the process of restoring some 480 recordings of regular and special shows. That's what podcasts are for those who don't know. Uh, regular and special shows both from ON 1240 here, uh, CBS Radio, and Achieve Radio from the old days. Uh, those podcasts are always free. Now, uh, another thing, just before we, we get to our subject today, uh, a lot of people um, were wondering about this uh, mill haunting story that was on the news last, was it last night or the night before? Uh, it might have been, a f- I, I thought it was a few weeks yeah, ago, I um, don't remember. My ins- my back, I don't know, I suppose, um, vi- uh, I don't know, grapevine information on that is that um, some local ghost type found out about this and called the news station, that's how it got on the news. Nobody generally asks us about these local things, um, we... we um, don't usually have those people on the show, and that's not appreciated from what I'm told. Uh, we, we try to sort of hit a, another tone. Well, they all see the same thing, so what's the point? Well, they kind of do, and I don't you know. I, I don't know. I, not to impugn anyone, because I don't know, but I just, we're not really part of that group. And um, I have never, nobody asks us, asked us about that case. Um, I, I don't know what was happening. What apparently was going on was that a construction crew was working, and I've run into things like this before. And uh, strange things started happening to the machinery, and someone took a picture, and supposedly there were entities in the windows, which I didn't see. And when they showed the picture on the news, maybe it was just the... I don't know. So in case you're wondering, uh, or you were planning to call in about that, we don't really know about it. So anyway, to our subject today. All right, so yes, that, that's actually my line. I'm sorry. Well, you uh, sub- yes. So the subject is, as we mentioned sort of at the beginning, uh, suicide and its paranormal implications. Uh, some of the emails we've been reading and some of uh, what we'll talk about uh, about uh, could be uh, upsetting. So consider yourself warned. It's sort of like that announcement you see before certain TV shows. Mm. Uh, viewer or, well, listener discretion is advised. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to express some opinions here that I have to say are our own and do not necessarily reflect those of WOON 1240 AM or any podcast carrier who might be making this show available. And once again, our call-in numbers today are 401-766-1240 in the local listening area or 800-449-1240 from anywhere else in the United States of America or Canada. Okay, so let's open uh, the subject with one of the emails, which is kind of typical of the rest. This is, I I should say that I've communicated with all the people involved. Anytime suicide is mentioned, I I really pick up on it. And with all the hundreds of emails we get, I try to respond to these personally. Um, I will ask Ben to read this first one. It is from, we'll just say someone in our local listening area. Okay, I don't want to give any names. So uh, this this is the first one that I received. Okay, so here is the first email. Uh, An atheist beauty shook my faith. Uh, I'd like to die, but I had, but having met you in '07 and reading about your views on suicide, I am fearful. Uh, why can't I kill myself in whatever multiverse or hell I shift to? Uh, how can I uh, find a reason to live? Okay, now that was a uh, that was it. Okay, now I responded to this uh, person. I. I when he said he met me in 07, I believe that might have been the program we did that, that month at the Lincoln Public Library. I don't uh, think I was there. You were. We had a huge crowd. You, you were? Took a, oh, yeah. I, I don't remember. Okay, well, in any case, I think that's what it was. But I, I don't remember who this is. So I communicated with him and um, responded to this. Now, we often have people, not often, but once in a while have people asking that, okay, if our multiverse ideas are correct, that we live in many worlds at the same time, we have many bodies, and if things aren't going well in one, why can't you just do yourself in and pop up in another one? Well, that, it's, that's not quite that simple, All right, and we'll get into that in a minute. So uh, I responded to him, and he 
responded with another one that sort of reassured me somewhat. But again, this is typical of the responses. Okay, so um, I have never hit such a dark place before. Coincidentally, uh, I had been corresponding, unknown to me, uh, with a former Wicca practitioner, uh, but she is now a full atheist. Uh, She painted tarot cards, which I believe attract evil. Um, I was working to convince her of the possibility of God and or something uh, beyond us by using Carl Jung Orb's uh, synchronicity and novice physics. Um, I hate suicide. I love my wife and dogs dearly. Um, I highly suspect elements of borderline personality uh, rejection slash loss due to my unrecognized feelings. Yet, I can't shake... Um, the feeling that something foreign, uh, negative energy, wanted me to stop helping her. Uh, regardless, your website and descriptions of lost souls was enough uh, to have me go to my wife for help. I am seeing a psychiatrist. Uh, that woman is out of my life, and I do feel better. I am working to find God, though I will reread your book again. Uh, you signed it saying, Stay Positive. It was in uh, Lincoln, Rhode Island, yeah, I see, in uh, the November of 2012. Thank you very much for replying. Okay. Uh, couldn't have been November 2012. That hasn't come yet. But uh, I don't know. But in any case, uh, I was re- a little bit more reassured by that. But again, you know, people today, uh, it, it's, a, it's a chemical culture. A lot of people seem to, even children, seem to be on Prozac or some sort of antipsychotic drugs or Librium. Or and I just, I wonder why. Have we created a world in which we're so unhappy that we just have to live on chemicals? What is wrong with us? Is, or is it the lemming syndrome? Um, the, they used to talk nothing about all sorts of things about population explosion in the 1970s. You know, oh, we got to stop. And uh, maybe there are too many people. Maybe it's the lemming syndrome. Wow. I don't know. I think it's society itself, really. I mean, it's yeah. really weird that, like, you have you feel like uh, the only way out is to kill yourself. I mean, there, there's like um, studies that say what is that? Oh, fine. Yeah, no. When when you when you're finished with your comments. Uh, well, now I forgot my com. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I know you're a little shaken up still. Yeah, no, it's it's just, on top of that. It's Monday, and Mondays are just like that for me. But um, uh, where was I? Oh, right, society. I'm. Yes. I don't know. It's just weird that like people feel. I, well, there's so much stress, like, in our society that it's, like, there, th- nobody in history has ever been as stressed out as we are now in the West. I, know, I think you're right. And I, it's, like, I mean, I see it every day. Like, I, I, I go to a big city for school, and it's, like, I get stressed out. I mean, I can't imagine most of these other people are doing. Like, I, I mean, my first day of school, I had a panic attack. It's, like, it's, the the way everything's built now, it's just like you don't have time to go and sit and enjoy the nice things. It's always like you got to go, go, go. You got to do this. You got to do that. And it's like you're you have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to survive off of coffee and cigarettes or whatever your vice may be uh, in order to survive. It's it's enough to make make you go insane. <laughs> yeah. So I I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. It, it's like the whole nature versus nurture argument all over again, where it's like, well, it could be the environment we're in, or it could be like how this person is brought up, or whatever. No, you're right. Uh, but but of course, this question arises: Can you find a better life to, simply by popping into another one? Well, there are some problems with that. You're you're well. I have a deep personal interest in the subject of suicide uh, because, as I've said once or twice on the show before, and it took me a long time to be able to talk about this, uh, was that 52 years, three months, and one week ago, I stood there, I was a seven-year-old boy, as my father committed suicide in our garage. And to say the least, this subject has not only touched me, it has affected my whole life, which is why I just my ears just, just really start ringing when I see the word suicide on an email. So what, what, what's going on here? I mean, according to the Centers for Disease Control, uh, suicide is now the tenth leading cause of death in America after heart disease, cancer, lung disease, brain disease, accidents, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, flu and pneumonia, and nephritis. Could have been worse, I suppose. Between 1991 and 2009, the general suicide rate remained steady, but it was consistently much higher among men than women. It's an interesting question. 
And while suicide gradually declined in America among both genders in 1991 to 2000 period, it started to increase since then and hasn't stopped, especially among young people. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, you're a young person. What? Uh, you're <laughs> a youngin'. Uh, I was young once. I mean, <laughs> I don't really remember. No, I don't know. I mean, I, well, I'm not, I wasn't brought up the way most of these other kids were. I mean, I've had friends that were, like, they thought the only way out of, like, say, um, a bad relationship was to, like, get off themselves. Yeah. And it's, like, the way that these things are structured, the way that everything's structured is, like, it's a huge deal for something. I'm not saying that some of the stuff isn't a big deal. I mean, like, going into, like, debt, losing your family and stuff like that. I mean, that, I'm, I'm just saying, like, some some... I don't know. I don't really know what's up with it. I feel like there's just so much going on around us that it just is like just constant noise just barraging yeah. you. Honestly, I think it's something on a deep psychological level. It doesn't maybe, seem maybe natural. On a, maybe on a metaphysical level. Because uh, we're very out of our element, if you think about I it. I think that's well put, yes. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we're we're living in a time where we all drive maybe well we're all from Rhode Island so we do about maybe 5 or 10 miles over the speed limit so we're going careening down these concrete like rock roads in like flying pieces of metal that like it, it the way it's just weird like if you really think about it the way that I'm trying to put this that like how weird that our society is then I mean, it's no wonder, like how like these people feel out of their element, and they feel lost, they feel confused, and it's just an overall terrifying situation. When maybe these, maybe it's like you realize certain things, and then it's just like, well, what else is there? Well, they, th- that's very true. But you also have to remember too. Sometimes people have felt a terrible loss. They've experienced a terrible loss. Somebody wrote in recently that you know they just didn't want to go on living. They lost their father. Uh, and uh, I suppose uh, some, among certain young people or anybody, there could be a mental illness. Oh, yeah, definitely. As well. So those like I two said, factors. It, it, there's a lot of factors here. I mean, it could be something on the deep psychological level that makes them feel... I mean, he mentioned borderline personality disorder. But, of course, I don't know if that's the right thing. Because borderline personality disorder is like extreme narcissism. Yeah. Well, is, is, is it, a, is it a, a disease, a condition, or is it, a, is it an excuse well, I mean, that's the thing. You know, people love to find excuses today. We're big into the blame game, you know, and... and uh, yeah, nobody takes responsibility for that. Nobody takes responsibility. And I found that there's very little, and I like to think this has happened in our own family, there's very little that cannot be solved by love, compassion, and respect, you yeah. know, as opposed to, just, to pills and doctors. You know, that's my opinion. Uh, but in any case, uh, there's also the issue of parasite influence. We're always talking about those nasty critters on this show. The folklore knows them as demons, but I, I, it, Ben and I have both found uh, sometimes to our cost that these things are real. Uh, they're not spirits. They're not servants of Satan. They're they're uh, life forms, and life, uh, as Sir Fred Hoyle would have said, is is everywhere in the universe. The great uh, uh, astrophysicist who. Uh, wrote a number of uh, groundbreaking books on subjects of these of this kind, although he didn't mention parasites. Mm. That uh, life is not the uh, exception in the universe; it's the rule, and yeah. all kinds of life. And these parasites seem to be among these. They seem to be able to move among these parallel worlds that we believe exist, and feed upon people's negative energy. Why? Uh, just same. Why does a mosquito bite you for your blood? You know, or no, why do we uh, kill cows? You are exactly. Or just take, right. well, not kill them, uh, or like get milk from cows, chicken, yeah. eggs from chickens. I mean, once these uh, these strange, uh, usually unseen enemies find a person or per- or family to use as a host or hosts, they will push whatever buttons they have to in order to feed off the energy, and and that's how they work. Um, and of course, uh, even if the host never actually commits suicide, the goading that can occur, the, the negative thoughts, the, uh, the violent thoughts that often occur, and, and it could be simply mental illness, or could be one of these, para- or both, I've seen both while, while working in psychiatric hospitals a number of years ago, uh, could um, feed the thing. And of course, if suicide occurs, think, think of, the, of the, the energy that gets blasted out of the uh, psychic environment when that occurs. Well, I mean, what happens, I mean, uh, that that just goes to the question, if, like, what happens if you actually do 
uh, commit suicide. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, I think that, well, uh, one condition that is present in people, I often find anyway, not all the time, but often, uh, when they're contemplating suicide is isolation. Yeah. And that's also a common factor in parasite cases as well. You often have a lone person who is perhaps unemployed, no hope, uh, very depressed, et cetera, et cetera, and they are the victim of a parasite. I've seen that on several occasions. Uh, not always, but sometimes. And isolation, <clears throat> what happens to you when you, um, when, when you commit suicide in that situation? I think you, I think we are far more responsible for our, I don't like to use the term afterlife because that's not really accurate. There isn't no afterlife. It's just life. It can't end in the multiverse because it's always going on somewhere and somewhere with us. I think that you get what you wish for. I often think that might be the uh, the reason for the, the, the saying, be careful what you wish for. I've seen, and the ones I've met who have committed suicide, seem to be in worlds of absolute isolation and aloneness. They got what they wished for because to me, suicide, you know, barring other circumstances such as uh, mental illness and this sort of thing, uh, is the result of um, absolute selfishness, complete and utter selfishness uh, in many cases. And that's what you get. So I think that's what I found. Um, this stark individualism, sort of a loss of that sense of unity with everything and everyone that ultimately can make us suicidal. Because um, to us, then nothing means anything anymore. And in this isolation, we can deal. We can deal with life's problems. Uh, obviously, we can't deal with life's problems. Everything is all about me. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? This is just everybody seems to feel that way today. That can't work. Um, I, it's just the state of society right now, actually. Um, in our biology and in our attitudes, we're still hunter-gatherers. We're constructed to depend on each other and to work together as part of nature. Uh, down deep, we know that together means life and alone means death. Our remotest ancestors knew that. We know that we are each other down deep and that that wholeness is infinitely greater than all of us and that's where our experience of God begins. So compare that with how unnatural our current society is. Everyone kind of doing their own thing, as we used to say in the 70s. Now, when it comes to the paranormal, the key to understanding everything, in my opinion, uh, we either scoff at it or we feverishly embrace some narrow view of it in the desperate hope that there's an afterlife or some spirit guide out there watching out for us. And uh, with that attitude, we've even corrupted God. Modern popular religion has turned God into a sort of great cosmic individual, jealous, self-obsessed, and rewarding humans with a, quote, salvation, unquote, that allows them to remain individual not only after they die, but forever. What nonsense. Even the once respected clergy are viewed with suspicion in an age of such ferociously selfish acts as pedophilia, God forbid. Now, on top of that, human societies have... Infancies, youth, middle ages, old ages, and death, just as people do. As this society, our own, passes through its old age toward the inevitable end that all societies reach, all of us feel the increasing pressure and frustration. You can almost understand why so many people want out. So all these things seem to be contributing factors to the suicide phenomenon. Uh, isolation, uh, very, very uh, stressful kind of society, uh, bad ideas about God and ourselves, and uh, this this ferocious individualism that cuts us off from everyone else. You know, people have these relationships. You know, why is there such a divorce rate? Why, why don't, why, how come people don't get married at all? Why so much domestic violence? Well, people don't know what love means anymore. Love means uh, forgetting yourself. And people don't love today. They love themselves through each other. They don't know how to love each other. And that's an important paranormal point, too, because that feeds parasites as well. Now, for us parents, that's a whole different issue because the youth suicide rate is beyond belief. Uh, we parents, you know, sometimes mourn the great institutions we once respected, you know, the, like the government, the church, and even, even the institution of marriage and the family itself. Everything seems to be falling apart that way. And we have to work like horses just to keep our belovedly unfriendly lifestyle going. 
We feel that our children don't appreciate it. As a matter of fact, we don't even know our children sometimes. We feel as if we've given birth to strangers. And for teens, I think it's even worse. I'm not sure most parents appreciate the pressure most teens are under. Uh, get them into the best school, achieve, make us proud, meet a nice guy or girl and settle down, make lots and lots and lots of money so you can become what the TV advertisements talk about. And then the next thing the kid hears is some judge saying, do you want to live with your mom or your dad? So I don't blame teens for being distressed. And who needs such a world? Well, none of us does. Not uh, parents, not teens, not Republicans, not Democrats, not Americans, not African Bushmen, not Christians, not Muslims, nobody. Okay, we're going to take a break. I can't see the clock. Ben can. On that lovely note. On that lovely note. You are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on on uh, WON 1240. I keep, keep saying station. CBS. Nope, wrong station. WON 1240 AM. In New England's radio. beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Everything you know is wrong. Hi, I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Paul Eno. Check out our show, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, here on ON 1240 AM on Mondays on our new drive time slot at 6 PM. The paranormal is not what you think it is. You're going to examine the whole thing from a whole new perspective on our show, and we expect that you're going to be very surprised. Do not check your brain at the door. You're going to need it. Be there. Well, after that nice little promo of ourselves, well, let's get back to our subject. Again, it's behind the paranormal, and our subject this evening is uh, the uh, sobering question of suicide and uh, what it is and what uh, paranormally the implications would be, what happens to you if you do this. So um, with all the factors we've mentioned, you've got everything sort of falling apart, in at least in the perception of many people, and they're more and more turning to the paranormal for their answers in life. And among our own listeners, or sometimes those who have read my books, we sometimes get emails about why they can't, why can't they just whack themselves and pop up in some better parallel life? Well, uh, in the theories of the multiverse that I've relied on for over 40 years in my own paranormal research, now working with Ben at my side, it's become obvious that the reason we're built for unity and not isolation is that all of us, our physical bodies included, form a vast, unity of life across an infinite expanse of interacting parallel worlds. Paranormal phenomena are the tip that shows us where the rest of the iceberg might be. The danger lies in misunderstanding the idea that because we live in so many of these worlds already that we cannot die, not even our bodies. And that's true, but we misunderstand what that means. I believe that's really... um, something that is important to understand. But the idea that we can just hop worlds through suicide until our consciousness lands in one that we like is absolutely not true. That's because to be good, right, and true, and to make you happy in any way, your actions must reflect this unity we were talking about, a unity with yourself and with others that we've um, uh, seen very clearly in our own work. And suicide, as I said, is the ultimate act of individualism, the ultimate act of selfishness. It's an ultimate act of disunity. Now, our friend in Lincoln, who wrote the the letter we started with, doesn't entirely agree with that, suggesting that parasites have more to do with it. Now, here's a a third installment of that, and uh, maybe you want to just expand on this idea of, of selfishness. Everything's crossed out. I feel like I'm reading a government document. Yeah, exactly. It's the UFO document. Alrighty. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, this email is, uh, last note on selfishness. I didn't feel at all like me. Uh, thus, the, the mention or hint at uh, possession of some sort. I believe for uh, some, the suicidal mind is not quite selfish. It's delusional, out of touch, um, gone rather. Uh, Something changes. Uh, To prevent it, one must recognize uh, the feeling states of detachment and avoid booze. (laughs) And, okay, thanks again. You have been a big influence on me. Okay, well, well, that, well, that's again our same uh, listener who was writing that, and uh, I, I appreciate his point. I think he's got a point. It's, it's not all necessarily selfishness, and I think the factors we pointed out are included as well. But uh, he said he didn't feel like himself. Uh, he also mentioned someone we didn't mention uh, a name of someone who had committed suicide, whom apparently he knew, and um, said that this was completely outside his his normal behavior pattern. They couldn't have imagined such a, this person committing suicide. It was a person who had a lot of love. 
And again, love, love is everything. But um, the parasite influence, how, how much can parasites or demons, as they are popularly known, influence us? Can they make us commit suicide? Can they make us commit crimes? Well, I found in working with possession cases that there has to be, in my opinion, a certain amount of tacit agreement on the part of the victim for, for even that to occur. I think that they are very good at pushing buttons, and they're also very good at finding things inside you that you will respond to. I find that, that these creatures uh, who are not human, and that they're not ghosts, they're not former people, as far as I've ever seen, are very good at, at learning about you. They, uh, some of the lower species, there are about nine different species I've run into over the years. And the lower, the lowest species tend to be very much like children. Uh, they are two-dimensional thinkers, uh, stimulus response kind of thing. But some of the older ones, uh, and, and the uh, upper echelon types are very, um, very much into, you know, learning about you. And they're, they're, they're rather intelligent. So, um, anyway, uh, what we've, everything we've been saying here tonight is not just the Eno philosophy. Uh, this is what I've learned firsthand through witnessing a loved one's suicide, as I mentioned earlier, and growing up without a father because of it. Uh, but I've also, in the course of paranormal work, had interaction with those who have actually committed suicide, with people you might refer to as ghosts, although I don't see them that way. They are real physical people we sometimes perceive across the membranes of these parallel worlds we're always talking about, worlds in which they seem to... Um, sleep in the beds they themselves have made, so to speak, in whatever worlds they came from. And uh, prior to that, that seems to be nature's way, so to speak, the path of least resistance. And it applies to the path of your consciousness through the bodily death experience, just as it does to any other process in nature. It's kind of hard to grasp that, but that, that's what I've found. So almost all of these pe- these poor people, because of what, in most cases, I still believe is that ultimate act of selfishness in one form or another, got what they wished for. They find themselves where they already are in their subconscious lives, in whole universes where they are utterly, desolately, and completely alone. They smashed the unity, and the unity spat them out. Now, certainly there are cases where there are medical circumstances, as we said. Uh, For example, I was told later that my father, before he did this, had a brain tumor that affected his behavior. Um, which is kind of strange because he was the most loving guy around, so, and I couldn't have imagined him doing that, so maybe that was the case. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember my father, uh, to whom I was very close, as an amazingly unselfish person. Um, and I have always felt his loving presence, which I still enjoy in many parallel worlds where we are still together in many times, many ages, and many circumstances, and so do you. So maybe our friend in Lincoln does have a point, as I said. But in dealing with many of those who have committed suicide, there are ways to reach them. I remember several cases from the 1970s and 80s in which I was communicated with by what I quickly became convinced were people who had committed suicide. Several of them remembered doing it, were sorry about it almost immediately, and wished they could go back because they were more in despair afterward than they were before. They were not in better worlds, not one of them. They were in worlds where they were absolutely alone. They got what they wanted. So, yeah, kind of gives a new meaning to be careful what you wish for. I was, just, I was, took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Sorry, took it right. It's okay. Yeah, I remember one. Please, you know, kick in any time here, but uh, well, you're on a roll. I mean, I'll kick in when I need to. All right. Well, we we're glad to have you. Today, I recall one case, uh, wasn't all that long ago, where I like to believe that I actually talked someone in a parallel world out of committing suicide. And this is, I think I've mentioned this case before. It was in May 07. And I was at the Bellevue Biltmore Hotel in Clearwater, Florida to give a talk at a paranormal conference. And, uh, I was in a hotel full of feral ghost hunters that weekend. And uh, the last people I would tell about what was going on. But I like to think that I prevented a suicide by a total stranger at some point in our past or future. I never caught his name, but the guy from a parallel world who seemed to be sharing my hotel room became apparent as soon as I arrived. Now, once again, I don't look at this as some kind of psychic or mediumistic experience. Whenever I've had these encounters, it's like kind of like linking up with another physical person sharing the same space as we are, but the five physical senses are pretty much irrelevant. You don't have to be a big-time medium or something to tell when there's someone else in the room with you. Now, this Bellevue Biltmore is one of the oldest hotels in America. 
And as a matter of fact, I believe it's the largest occupied wooden building in the country. It's supposedly very haunted. You've never been there, though. No. No, not yet. Okay. Um, even with several tours of the place with the excited ferals, I didn't pick up a thing except in the room that had been the office of the founder of the place in 1897, a guy named Henry B. Plant. And to my alarm, I saw that the room was being used as a daycare facility. Well, anyway, in my own room, I immediately felt a fellow human in distress. It was a middle-aged man, extremely depressed and lonely. It didn't take long to conclude that he had checked into the hotel to decide whether or not to commit suicide. He seemed only vaguely aware of me and understandably unnerved by my presence. To him, I was the ghost. I find that all the time. They're, they're, they're going about their lives in perfectly physical worlds, and here come us, and they see us the way we see or perceive them. While I nearly always advise people not to try and deliberately communicate with any entity in most cases, I sometimes do so through meditation and wait for them to come to me uh, when I'm certain of what I'm dealing with and if I feel I can do something to help. It took me years to talk about that. The first thing I did was convey, as strongly as I could, a sense of love and compassion. That's what you should do with anyone, I think. Gradually, I believe that he came to understand that whoever or whatever I was, I was trying to help. Without words, and that's important to understand, very often I'll hear words as if a conversation is going on, but not in this case. I came to see that this fellow had given up. He had a drinking problem that was overwhelming him with guilt. Uh, his wife had given up on him, and, he, and, he was, uh, and her, she herself had been unfaithful. His two teenage children hated him, so, so he thought. And he wanted, to, he wanted to know if I was an angel. And I tried to convey to him, no, just a friend. Uh, the fact that a total stranger would care, even if he was confused and a little frightened by the circumstances, seemed to do more than anything else to nudge him out of total despair. Then I took the next step, something I always hesitate to do because it can be a terrifying experience. I searched and found where and when in the multiverse that I was this man. This is how this works. You see, all life is one across these ultimate worlds, and I should say infinite worlds, of this multiverse. It's like an unending electrical cord, so to speak. There could be many individual light bulbs or other gadgets attached, but it's a single river of energy that powers them all. And each individual is just a unique expression of that power, each of us. Mm. So what happened next was why I hesitate uh, to take the step of momentarily becoming someone else who's already me already, you know, so to speak. I felt all his terror, his depths of fear, sorrow, despair, and his desperate hunt for a way out. I shook violently, and I'll, I will admit, I, I bent over and, and was starting to cry myself because of these feelings. Um, I felt him with me, feeling the same things. A very intimate experience, uh, too intimate, really. Uh, I recovered somewhat, and I felt it was time, and I said out loud, taking the liberty of speaking for all of us, we love you. Said it out loud. And with the realization that people he didn't even know or couldn't even see actually cared, as I said, there was sort of a warmth that kind of descended on the room. And I really feel that something clicked with my friend. And I think he got the message that he needed to let go and give himself back to his family. He had a high mountain to climb, but I believe that his spiritual experience at the dear old Bellevue Biltmore gave him the tools to begin. So are you starting to get it? Uh, the message of the paranormal is not that there is an afterlife or even that you've got angels or ancestors or whatever or whoever looking out for you. The message of the paranormal is that you don't have to be alone anymore. And if you're not alone, you have a very good chance of avoiding suicide. Yep. The paranormal provides the answer to suicide, not the excuse for it. Uh, Comments, Beth? Well... Yeah, I mean, we I, I just get so concerned about young people who who should be looking ahead to and like when I was a kid, and I hate to hear, I sound like the old man when I say this. But when I, I was a kid, kid, I walked five miles through blinding snowstorms to school, uphill both ways. But no, I mean, we were we'd look forward to what we wanted to be. I always wanted to be a priest, so that didn't quite happen. But you know, I had friends who want in those days, kids still wanted to be you know doctors, nurses, firefighters. I guess they still want to be doctors and nurses, but. Anyway, people people looked forward to things, but today is that the case anymore? I mean, you're you're at one of the best schools in the country for media. What, yeah, what are they looking for? I was talking to this. I was talking about this to somebody, and I was just like, it was me and my one of my friends, and I was just like, you ever feel like we're built to just be teenagers forever? And he was like, yeah. Okay. Huh? It's meaning like, what? Well, I mean, today you have. Um, 
certain people in my generation that are like 20, go, going on like 24 or 25. Who are still they, teenagers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they still act like teenagers because it's like you don't know what to do or how to be an adult because... So it's a, in, I would look at that as, as in the Buddhist sense as a distraction uh, from what you're supposed to be doing. Am I right? Or am I wrong? Or is I it guess. Just, just I mean, avoiding responsibility or is there a positive to it? Well, I mean, it's not really stressed in uh, our society nowadays to have personal responsibility for stuff. It's like, oh, well, it's somebody else's fault if I don't have a million dollars by the end of the year or something like that. Or, like, um, I'll find a job eventually or I'll have somebody else find me a job or mm. whatever. Or, or there's no jobs to be found, whereas you could just make your own whatever. We're not going to go into that. But what we're going to go into is it's just weird because I I feel like people in my generation because i can't say kids because we're all turning like 21 and we mm. we turned adult we became adults when we were 18 well according to congress according to congress yeah it, it's like we've been engineered to be teenagers forever yeah well i know people my age who aren't haven't who never grew up yeah and what does it mean to grow up does it mean you become all serious and dry mouth and scowling at everybody no i think it's summed up by the idea that well you know in in um uh, well, well, what did Jesus say? He said, unless you be like a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, well, I mean, like it's like they look forward to the next time they get drunk or something. Well, it's it's being childlike rather than childish. childish yeah. You know, and it seems like a lot of people are just childish. Yeah. You know, uh, being childlike is being, I th- uh, to me, is, is being awed by by the beautiful things we see around us, seeing the best yeah. rather than the worst. I, I, every time I look up at like a skyline, I'm always like, "Wow!" Yeah, I like not to toot my own horn here. Well, your cousin H.P. Lovecraft was the same way. The first time he saw the New York skyline, because when he got inside the place, it was different. But yeah, you know, there's well, something still, um, looks- mystical about the skyline. But yeah, you know, just it's it's being awed by the the, the the littlest things. When you were little, I would always take you outside, and you know, we'd touch leaves and and look at the sky and all this sort of thing. And uh, I still like looking at the sky and touching leaves. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Well, uh, you can blame me for that. that. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, all I can say to parents is, you know, your teens don't, or any any sibling, no matter how old they are, they don't need pills, they don't need shrinks, they don't need special schools. They need you. I remember I had um my one of my the sociology teacher I had at CCRI. He was like, if you ever have kids, do these three things: read to them, hug them, and tell them you love them. Well, we did all that. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and people write all, ever since we've been on the air, people write, you know, how do you have this relationship with your son? And I, and I, it's, it's, our family has always been together. We, um, it's, it's the word respect. That yeah. comes even before love. We respect each other. And that's the word, the operative word when, when Ben and his brother were growing up and when my wife and I, we're, uh, it's funny, we, we had a 25th wedding and, and I don't know how paranormal this is, but I'll talk about it because it's all relevant. We had our 25th wedding anniversary several years ago, and uh, all the cousins got together, and you were there, of course. Uh, yes. And uh, people asked, well, you know, what plans did you make and all this? And, and we kind of looked at each other. We didn't make any plans. We put ourselves in the hands of God. And we were together come what may. Home was where the other, you know, where the other spouse mm. was, Yeah. where our children were. And that was it. We expected nothing. We worked hard and did our best, and we have been blessed beyond the measure. Of, of anyone be, simply by having no expectations and um, people kind of looked at us you know as people build all sorts of castles in the air when they get married or when they have a life thing and we, and that's I, that's them I, that's none of my business but we never did that yeah and i think we came out pretty well thank god mm. but anyway um we need to kind of get outside the narrowness that society inflicts on us yeah you know? I, it's it's weird our our societies and it's, it's weird i don't yeah. get it so it, it almost encourages suicidal feelings and the wrong attitude toward it because if, if people are together then these feelings are dissipated because and you know one of the things as, as our friend in lincoln brought up unity and togetherness respect all these positive things will repel parasite influence mm. that's what we find I, I can't necessarily explain it but when uh, we've been in cases, people join hands. They have some solidarity. Doesn't mean you agree all the time with everybody, but you get you get that stress out of the family. The things the things back right off. They yeah, really do. It's true. So if there's some kind of parasite influence there, that helps it.
But on the other hand, there's a certain responsibility on the part of children and teens too, not just the parents. Oh yeah. Uh, they often look at the parents as their enemies. Uh, they're just as alone and terrified as, as the teens are. Uh, the enemy is perhaps society. I no, think it's in, a lot of things. Or a lot of really. society's attitudes. I think it's a lot of things, really. There's just so many. There's just so many things that are just wrong and unnatural. Yeah. Well, everything can be overcome. Oh yeah. People have a way of kind of finding their way. So everybody kind of needs to focus, you know. And uh, so I just uh, all our message can be is is be of good courage. It's the first day of school. First lesson we learn is what do you learn in school? Hold hands while crossing the street, right? Yeah. Hold you know? Look both ways. Look both ways, hold hands, you cross it, pick up after yourself, you know. I need little. Kind of look out for each other's backs. It's very simple. Yeah. And the ultimate lesson. It's like the book that came out a few years ago, Everything I Learned, I Learned in Kindergarten. Everything Everything I I Know. Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody should read that book. And and it it fights off parasites. It (laughs) helps Mm. you paranormally. It helps you in your life. And you're very unlikely to commit suicide or even think about it, God forbid, if you have. Uh, that kind of support, right? You know, um, you know, you know what the shamans do too, and, and you, you being a novice one would know this. Um, we don't need to jump to other worlds to make it better. What the shamans do is go and you bring the other worlds to ours, or just don't even try. Yeah, your subconscious will do it. Honestly, I mean, if you just don't, if you just sort of let yourself go on autopilot, I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, there are autopilots and there are autopilots. So anyway, um, I have no idea what time it is because I'm sticking my back to the clock. Oh, I'm coming up on the end here. However, um, I wanted to uh, give you some numbers today as well. There's still a few minutes. Uh, 401-766-1240 in the local listening area. 800-449-1240 anywhere in North America. Or uh, drop us a drop us a note uh, via the Ask a Question link on BehindTheParanormal.com, a site that has been redesigned, and I think you'll find it easier to navigate and things of this kind. Uh, to um, and we also uh, we're uploading a, a number of shows that you might not have heard before. Those of you who are podcast enthusiasts, uh, these include a number of shows uh, that, that were very hard to find on the old site. Uh, some of the old Achieve Radio shows. We we started in '08 on uh, Achieve Radio based in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, then we expanded from there to here at WON and then to CBS. So uh, those those are all being uploaded, and you'll be able to hear some shows maybe you never heard before. Wait, so, what's, what, what, what are you doing? Oh, no, I'm just describing the uh, changes to the website. So, But before I finish our discussion, do you have any, any, any other feelings? What should people do if they feel suicidal? Now, uh, now, our friend here in Lincoln says that he turned to his wife, which is not a bad idea. Yeah, that is a good idea. It's always good to... Uh, Seek somebody out. I mean, it, I, I like the idea of suicide hotlines myself. Yeah, because it's a like you like a perfect stranger that's just saying, "Hey, don't do it." But there are very few problems in society that cannot be solved by families or whatever support system you have coming together. Yeah, and thinking of other people, not loving yourselves through each other, but actually learning to love other people, and and uh, the great irony in the multiverse and in the. The, the the paranormal shows us, I suppose. Or just think of the consequences it will have on every other person you know. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, I had to grow up without a father, and it, it was it was awful. Maybe I like to think maybe that that has helped me be one, I suppose. But I don't know. Uh, I think you're a good father. Well, thank you, Ben. That's, there's no greater compliment anybody can receive. And it's funny how when you um, become a parent. You know, the, the great change in life does not come with marriage. It comes with being, having children and being a parent. Mm. Everything, cha- your whole perspective changes. You know, you have someone you must take care of. And some people will just shirk that responsibility. It's all too many, I'm sorry to say, mostly fathers, I'm sorry to say too. Uh, but others will meet the challenge and it is a terrible shit. You have to forget yourself. And that's not what society encourages you to do. To no, me. no, it, it does the exact opposite. You must be there for your children. And I must say, when, when they hit 14, it does tend to be kind of liberating. <laughs> First time in 14 years, you know, you can uh, pick up with, with your spouse and you head out to dinner or whatever, and, and, and whatever. But I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a silly little selfish thing. But the most imp- there's nothing like looking into the eyes of, of your children and knowing that there's love there. It's, it's the most exhilarating thing in the world. And how anyone can contemplate suicide when there's a world with so many joys in it, if you just see them, then I think that's 
not all there is to be said. But again, uh, the, the ultimate message of this show, you cannot improve your life by doing away with one and popping up at another one. Because you, the kind of, of feelings that create that need that you feel you have to do that will lead you to a world that you do not want to be in. That, that's what we find in the paranormal. And Indeed. So that's what I would say. That's a nice message. Okay. So anyway. All right. Uh, what do we got? About two minutes? Uh, a little over that. Okay. Well, we can... Uh, do you have any final comments on that, Ben, before we wrap up? I don't want to start any emails. Now it's too late. Yeah, it is very too late. I mean, uh, we wouldn't even be able to get yeah. to any of them. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, no, you basically said it right there. You had a very dynamite outro written down here, and I, I was very excited to hear that. But uh, you did something along those lines. So All right. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. All right. So good. All right. Well, again, BehindTheParanormal.com, once again, is up and running, as I said. Uh, you, the weekly newsletter is late because uh, I... The cyber attack, you know. Have not... Hacking. Yeah, hacking and all. Uh, I have not had time to do Being a professional editor, I uh, do it myself, and uh, so it's, it's really late. So I apologize to those of you who are subscribers. And I'll try to get that done. We'll probably do a combined uh, winter-spring issue and uh, fill you in on our news, uh, what Ben and I are doing and that sort of thing. So many thanks to our producer, Ben, himself, and we will see you next week, April 22nd, when we will welcome Dr. David Bennett of Notre Dame University. He is a renowned cosmologist who will address another disconcerting subject, as if we need more of them today, rogue planets that can wander into our solar system and maybe even hit us. Oh, wow. That's a- that's fascinating. I can actually use my astronomy knowledge that I acquired at CCRI yes. to uh, apply to this. Oh, so cool. on our CBS edition on uh, Sunday, April 21st, we will talk with Dr. Annie Kagan about her uh, deceased brother convinced here, uh, how her deceased brother convinced her that uh, there is life beyond bodily death. So there's a little typo in there. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, in the meantime, our show website is, uh, you can get all the that podcasts. Already, yeah, that, I've already repeated well, it. But anyway, people, people well, will know all about the website. Yes. But this, the name of, of Dr. Kagan's book is uh, The Afterlife of Billy Fingers. Oh, yeah. I saw that and I was just, I thought I was reading like a pirate name, like something. Yeah, like, something, like so, some, kind of, some kind of twisted children's book or yeah, something. Yeah, like Long John, The uh, Tale of Long John Silver. Yeah, or right. So I can't wait to hear where, where the title, I believe that was her brother's nickname, but it should be very interesting. Billy Fingers. Exactly. So we leave you this evening with a quote from that old darling Winston Churchill. Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. We still have like 30 seconds. Great great ending for a talk show, right? Yeah, except we can't really end because we've got 30 seconds left. Okay, we'll keep talking. Yeah, well, we can just talk about whatever if you really want to. I mean, we have 15 seconds now, so this is really going, going this is working. Yeah, I think we're boring people. Oh, I know we're boring people, yeah. but... So does anybody get the answer to the question? Uh, no. Okay. Well, it's it's kind of confusing. I looked and I was just like, oh, because I thought it, it's... I actually remember hearing that a long well, time Well, it's very ago. simple. Again, uh, one last time here. Uh, what is another name for the Loch Ness Monster? And not Nessie. That doesn't count. Cause it's it's not Nessie. It doesn't count Nessie. Doesn't You're right. Count. Good. Glad you yeah, pointed that, that out. That doesn't count. Okay. All right. So... I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.